and welcome to the Narrow Road Podcast, a place to share the journey of walking with God on the narrow road that leads to life. I hope that you find rest and encouragement here, but above all, the awareness that you're not alone on the way. realm you access and live inside of in the natural realm 
once you are born again, right? Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so when I was researching the kingdom of heaven, the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But the kingdom of heaven is this. It is righteousness, peace, and joy. That is the kingdom of heaven. It isn't something we escape into. It isn't something we wait to arrive into later upon death or upon some, some nirvana experience. It is a place and existence and lifestyle and state of being that we enter into upon the great exchange of our life to his life. It's coming into the kingdom of God through being born again, through believing in Jesus Christ. So with that, with that knowledge that joy is a state of being, and we'll go into it more in a minute, but knowing that it is accessible always, not only like happiness when circumstances go well or something we're celebrating is happening, it's actually a state of being, which means it trumps our circumstances. It defies our circumstances. It can and should be always abiding within us and on us regardless of how much the world or our lives feel like it's burning down around us. So I want to read some scriptures over us to examine joy, the reality of joy, the need for joy, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit more. Let's go. Okay, I'm going to read some scriptures that I'm taking from the Open Bible website. And these are also the English Standard Version of the Bible. And the translation. And so I'm going to read them just out and over us and then we'll go into two of them. So Romans 15, 13 in the New Testament says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in there's a lot in that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Just that is. May the God of hope fill you. Not just give you a little bit, not just give you a measure. This is Paul's prayer to the Romans that he was writing to. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. All joy. And peace in believing. That as you believe in him, you would be filled with all joy and peace. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Look at those words. Those words are so limitless. Fill you all joy. Abound in hope. That is the kingdom, that is the kingdom of God. In Romans 12, 12, he writes, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. So I'm really linking up joy and hope together. They're together in so many of these verses. So I looked up the word rejoice, because it's so commonly thrown about in 
singing hymns and songs and that all the time at church. And I was like, honestly, I've never thought about it. Obviously, you can hear the word joy is in the word joy. But to be fair, I wanted to just say what this actually does it for. And rejoice is an intransitive verb, and it means to feel joyful or to feel joyful about something. Or to be delighted. So to rejoice is to literally feel joyful. So when he says rejoice in hope, it says feel joyful in hope. Feel joyful. Let yourself feel joyful in hope. And I find sometimes, I don't know if this is just me, but I can almost see myself as being silly when I hope in things, and if I feel myself getting sort of joyful or giddy or excited about something I'm hoping for or I'm believing for or I'm looking forward to, then something about me wants to like suppress that and pull that back in and be like, oh, well, you know, get, get it together. You're not, a, you're not a child. You're an adult. You're like, calm down. And I hate that because <laughs> it steals from me, and also it's not biblical. He says rejoice in hope. Because hope is what you don't have yet, right? You're hoping for something. You're hoping to experience something. You're hoping to meet someone. You're, whatever you're hoping for hasn't yet arrived. And yet he's saying be joyful in that hope. Which kind of gives you permission to, to be giddy, to be childlike in what you're anticipating and what you're looking for. Instead of postponing, right, the, the, the bumper sticker you see everywhere, don't postpone joy. No, it's true. That's such a biblical message because to rejoice and hope is to be joyful over what you don't even have. Just be joyful in the hope of what you are looking for without it even achieving a result yet or being available to you. Like joy is faith in so many ways. To be joyful in hope is to demonstrate faith. Because what is the point really in being restrained or restricted while you hope for something? Is that is that when we go back to that episode on hope is already done? Is that a way of again protecting yourself from disappointment? joy. That 
we are allowed to feel the full range of human emotions and acknowledge them. However, we don't have to be imprisoned to them. I was talking to Meg last night, my husband, and that's, that's what I was kind of realizing. Oftentimes when I'm in a place of despair or in a place of suffering because life is aching me, I often think that I kind of have to play the part of things aren't going well, I feel really rejected or I let go the off or I feel down, therefore I need to look like that. I need to act like that because if I'm full of joy, but I'm telling someone how much my life feels sad at the moment, then they won't take me seriously. <laughs> they won't really think I'm suffering or they won't have compassion for it or they won't understand what I'm saying. So I, I literally will like wear this mask of like sadness and downness and woe is me <laughs> instead of letting the joy of the Lord bubble up in me because still be joyful even when things aren't a-okay. And I don't know if you can relate to that at all, if you find that sometimes you feel like you have to look bad, you have to act bad, because life is a bit sad at the moment. And it's like, that's, there's no rules about that, there's no, that's not how it is. It's what I tell myself sometimes. And what I find is when I act sad or I restrain myself myself from laughing or from smiling, the sadness or the, the, the unfortunateness of the life around me, the experiences I'm having, all of a sudden get deeper and deeper in me, and I really start to feel sad. I really start to feel anxious. Because I'm letting it in, it's like, because when we restrain laughter and joy, we are literally telling our body to be down. To be down, even if we don't actually want to be down. And it's almost like we partner with that grief. We partner with the reality of these external circumstances and we bring them inside. But I think when we tap into joy, it's like a form of armor. It's like a form of, of separation we can create emotionally from the pain of our circumstances, being able to take over. In fact, James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. He says, count it all joy when you meet trials. I don't know about you, but if I met a person who was going through hell on earth and they were still full of joy, I might think they're crazy. But also, I would be, you know, I would want to just sit with them. <laughs> Really, I would want to learn from that. That level of resilience, that level of overcoming, like, like they get it, like they've tapped into something. They're not letting their circumstances swallow them whole. They're, they're choosing to say, I'm more powerful than my circumstances. I'm more powerful than my suffering. It doesn't have to rule. I don't have to bend the knee my circumstances and wear the cloak of sadness and despair all over my face, all in my words, I don't have to do that. It's like they're the ultimate rebel. <laughs> yeah, it's really, 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 really important. Psalm chapter 16 verse 11 says, Make
make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So the writer here is talking to God, and he says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In God's presence is the fullness of joy. There is no more joy to be found anywhere at any time and will be found in the presence of God. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How cool. What a cool God. And at his right hand are pleasures that never end. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 verse 22, one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. So not only is joy the substance of the kingdom of God, it is the fruit of Holy Spirit at work in us. It is one of the fruits of his nature being in us that will manifest. Other fruits are love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I think people you want to be around, people who have that kind of a personality, that kind of character just oozing out of them, just full of love and joy, peace and patience, they're kind, they're good, they're faithful. These are the fruits of the Spirit. This is what we cultivate inside us. So not only can we abide in joy by living in the kingdom, but we can produce joy for ourselves, in ourselves, and for others to be so. In John chapter 16, verse 22, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about his impending death, his departure from them. And he says, you will have sorrow for now, because he's going to die, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Wow. That almost makes you want to cry. Jesus is giving them this promise. But not only am I going to die, I will have to leave this relationship that we've had so intimately for two years. I'm going to do something you cannot comprehend right now. But I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. And you know what? I wasn't, I didn't live in Jesus' day. I didn't get to be disciples by him. But I am discipled by him through the Holy Spirit every single day. And you know what? I'm going to take that promise for myself because he is speaking it to me. And I will see you again. And your joy will be full. And no one will take it from you. That's a promise for all of us. If it was good enough for his disciples that he would promise them you will have joy that no one can take from you, and I'm taking that for myself. Jesus, there is no partiality with God. If he's given it to them, he's given it to me. And no one can take my joy. I can forfeit it. I can choose to give it up. But there is no one, and that includes the devil, who has the authority or the power to take this joy because he cannot take the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. He cannot take what isn't his. That is God's domain. He is the author creator of joy. He creates that environment. He gives us that lifestyle. It cannot be taken from us. 
chapter 10 verse 28 which we had actually just gone over I think not too long ago but it says the hope of the righteous brings joy the hope of the righteous again there's an interlocking of hope and joy together they are like brothers sisters these two work in tandem the hope and our joy they go together the hope of the righteous brings joy did you think about, have you ever thought about that? That you having hope in stuff, in something, in God's plan, in God's nature, in your future, actually brings joy for others? That what you hope for can create the fruit of joy for others to enjoy? Then it is. The fruit of you know, hope of the righteous brings joy. I like to think the joy isn't just for us. I like to think the joy is transmittable. Transmittable. It can reach out on people. Just in the same way that misery loves company and it seems to somebody's miserable or angry, that spirit can just jump from them to someone else. I believe that joy is just as powerful. So I want you today wherever you are, that joy is your hope. That no matter what life is telling you, no matter how much social media or anything and everything under the sun is trying to make you fearful or sad or down or gray or despairing, that you are allowed to sing in prison. You know what I mean? Remember about that story about Paul in prison? Peter in prison, I can't remember who it was, or both of them, but they sang to God while they were bound in their chains and were set free. But they had this joy when the circumstances are screaming at them that, no, you can't have joy here. This isn't where you have joy. So no matter what the world is telling you, you should think or feel, I'm telling you that the Bible says it is your portion to be full of joy even in various trials and tribulations, in spite of what is around you, what is being said to you, what thoughts are being injected into your brain, what lies are being spoken to you. You have permission, you have authority to walk in joy. You do not have to mirror your circumstances. So I pray that joy would be your hope. I pray that joy would consume you and that your circumstances can And I speak that over myself and anyone under the sound of my voice who needs a dose of joy in their life. Not just a joy, joy not just a dose, they need to be filled to overflowing. That you would be filled with all joy and peace in believing. So I'd like you to be filled with all joy. That you may abound in joy. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Narrow Road Podcast. And of course, I will be back tomorrow with another one of the 1865 days of history together. Thanks so much for listening to this one, and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thanks.